0: Welcome to the Redeemer Coast podcast. Our prayer is that this message will inspire hope, build your faith and encourage you God's purposes for your life. Turn with me to Colossians uh, chapter 1. So we're doing uh, redeeming relationships, spending a few weeks on redeeming relationships. I know, I think Cole, uh, so, it, so we're away for three weeks. Uh, Pastor Colin Doherty's uh, here week one. I know you love him. Some of you love his preaching more than mine, but that's right, I'm not moved by that. Um, I know you'll, uh, he's I think going to be talking about a relationship with the Father. And then week two, Chloe's <laughs> preaching. Woo! So I know that's going to be good. She was telling me what God had given her to preach on. I thought, oh Lord, why didn't you give me that message? That's a good message. But I just think probably, Chloe, you needed that. (laughs) And then Pastor Cole back week three again. So I know you'll be here. And uh, they're great, great ministries, praise God. So Colossians 1, we're talking about redeeming relationships. And and the last few weeks, we've been talking about supernatural forgiveness, contrasting it with natural forgiveness. So, today, we're just going to talk a little bit about what forgiveness is, about the importance of forgiveness, and then we're going to, from the parable of the prodigal son, just contrast how the father forgives as opposed to how natural man or the world forgives. All right, and do some little bit of application of that in our life. But we're reading from Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. And it says, For He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And He has, Jesus, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The, the realm of darkness, the realm of Satan, is dominated, one, by darkness, right? And then, in particular, uh, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul to the Colossians, identifies redemption and the forgiveness of sins as being the key currency or the key difference between them. So, he says, he has transferred us from the domain or the dominion or the kingdom or the rule of darkness the rule of satan the rule of not knowing where you're going not seeing truth of deception of living in lies and he's transformed us transferred us into the kingdom or the rule of of his son in whom, there is re- in whom there is redemption, and redemption is the forgiveness of sins. So, <clears throat> that means to me that really, redemption and the forgiveness of sins, it's, it's the staple, it's the currency, it's the, the plain, everyday, free vegetables, and steak of the kingdom of God. It's the state it needs to be this it, it is expected that it's the staple diet of the kingdom of God. And yet so often we have just transferred what the world means forgiveness by forgiveness and, and brought it over into the kingdom of God and, and just still applied that in our lives. This will change our lives. Understanding forgiveness. Will change how we feel about ourselves it'll change our relationships it'll help us walk in the kingdom or the dominion of God um, years ago some years ago we were in um, Suva Fiji I was teaching in a Bible college there and I was living with some Australian missionaries who were living half like locals, half like uh, Westerners. It's very expensive to live there as a Westerner. And so uh, we decided to lash out and go and get some McDonald's, all right? So there's a McDonald's. Anyone been to Suva? There's a McDonald's right in the middle of, uh, of Suva. So we were going through the drive through and we rolled up to McDonald's. We all put our order in and this was, you know, we were ready for this because we'd been having yam and you go and buy chicken you know, they have chicken there and they just sell your whole chicken. They just it's frozen and they dice it up and you've got all the bones and everything in there. So we've been having all these things. And so we thought, we'll go and have McDonald's. All right. So we rolled up to McDonald's and we ordered um, you know, like Big Macs, you know, all the big birders. We were just we were gonna go all out. And we took the order and he took our money and uh then we we started to go through, he said, Oh, by the way, we don't have any meat. And we said, what do you mean? You just, we just ordered these Big Macs and we just ordered these like mega burgers and you don't have any meat. And he said, oh, that's right, but we've still got the buns and the lettuce and the mayo and all that sort of stuff. And so they were quite happy to sell us these Big Macs and, and all the things, you know, and we were dribbling ready to go. And he said, "But well, there's no meat. And they were quite willing. And all these people have been going through before us, you know, locals, and they were ordering McDonald's without the meat. And I think often that's like our Christian life, isn't it? The forgiveness, the redemption that we're supposed to walk in is like having McDonald's without the meat. To all nothing. Special sauces, cheese, pickles, onions on sesame seed bun. To all Special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on sesame seeds. And if you can say that, it used to be if you said that in three seconds, you'd get a free, what, thing of chips? Who remembers? People remember the 70s. You were, really? <laughs> all right, so, so forgiveness is the staple. Because really, relationships are the staple of the Kingdom of God. And when you look at it, it's all about Relationships. about our relationship with him the father it's about our relationship with the lord jesus christ it's about our relationship with each other it's all about relationships the only thing we're going to take into heaven is our relationships all right you've seen that little video it's not about the nail you need to google that it's number one in marriage counseling it's not about the nail all right. If I show you that, it's because I'm concerned about your marriage, guys. <laughs> everyone laughs. Who's I've shown it to? <laughs> it's not about the. It's about these two. This couple sitting on the couch. Google it. It's not about the nail. And um, and she's starting to open her heart to him. She's saying, "I've had a really, really hard week. Everything seems to be going run. I've got this splitting <laughs> headache. You know." And then the camera zooms around and there's this nail sticking out of her forehead. And he goes to her, he goes, to, but sweetie, there's, there's, a, there's a nail. And she goes, that's all you can do, that's all you can say. And she goes, on, and, he goes I got, and he zips it, you know, shuts up, you know, this, and she starts going on and on and on. then she goes, and you know, people look at me funny when I walk down the street and I'm snagging all my jumpers, they've all got little snags in them. I'm, honey, I'm sure if you took out that nail, you know. And then she goes, That's all you care about? Solving my problems, would you just listen to me? And he goes, Okay, I'll listen to you. You know? And then she starts to and he goes, Oh, that's oh dear, that's you know, that's that's I'm not very well rehearsed at this, am I? <laughs> you can tell I'm struggling. And and she goes, Sweetie, like, oh no, I understand. Oh, yeah, that's really bad. You know, I understand it's been a hard week and she starts to soften up and all that sort of stuff. And then he goes, But I'm sure if you just took that nail, <laughs> you know. And uh, of course, that ruins it, you know. Because actually, uh, it's about relationships. And even with your nail in your head, it's a lot easier to face with relationships. And actually, if he'd sat down and if he'd shut up, she probably have said, Oh, and I've got this nail in my head. Would you take it out for me? You know, like that. Because she felt strong about it. Years ago I was employed, uh, well, until recently, I was employed as an uh, IT coordinator at a large college down on the Gold Coast and part of the, part of the mandate we had was to roll out uh, computers from P to 12 all the way through, parent-owned, controlled and managed computers, we were one of the f- first schools in Australia to do that. And uh, But it was a huge transition in teaching, huge transition in che- teaching and the brief I had was to, the brief I had was to manage that from prep, 1,500 kids in the school, prep to, to year 12, we had to convince the parents to buy computers for them and to manage those computers, convince the teachers to use those computers. And so there was a fair bit of resistance when, when we were doing this and uh, one lady who I was sitting next to in the staff room was the head of English. And so we were staff room buddies. You know, you get those staff room buddies, you know. Guys, you understand that, don't you? Like we had bus buddies. You know, guys can be best mates with someone for three years and not know their name, you know that. <laughs> um, so, and then I found out, one, one day I got called into the principal's office and I found out that this, the head of English, had been coming in and complaining about me. And not so much about me, but just about all these forced changes that I was pushing through on the staff. Um, and and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm doing it for them. It's everything I do, you know? I'm just trying to pull out that nail every time. Everything I do, I'm doing it for them. My motives were good, and I know, because I've been doing this for years, I know what they're going through. And I was trying to explain this to the principal. And she, and she sat me down she said, Grant, she said, it's not about the computers. I said, what do you mean it's not about the computers? I said, I'm trying to make the classroom easy. She said, Grant, it's not about making it easier in the classroom. And I went through all these things I was doing. She said, Grant, it's not about that. She said, it's about the relationship. And that went right over my head what do you mean it's about the relationship <laughs> you, you know I'm just doing my job here she said it's about the relationship she said if, if you spend time with Sue let her know you believe in her let her know you're on her side let her know and she had this term social capital let her know that you're on her side you're going to help her she said, she'll become your biggest champion and so I did. I started to listen to her, I started to listen to her problems, all that sort of stuff, went through all those things, and she started to realise I was on her side. I was there 10 years, we actually never had a session, we could never arrange a session for me to sit down with her and show her how to use these things on the computer, but her department became one of the biggest and earliest and greatest adopters of technology, all because this head of English just understood that I was on her side is actually all about the relationship and we know when there's times uh, I've hurt Linda or times that we're going through things that are testing together that if we know we're together it just it just all of a sudden the problem just comes so much smaller I know you'll find this hard to believe but there's been times we fought and uh, it and the well, first few years, we fought like cats and dogs. We really did. She's got, she's got a temper. She's really got a temper. We fought like cats and dogs. Um, it, it got to the stage, though, really, after a number of years, and it was about 20 years really it took us to get to that, that we, ba- we came to this awareness that she actually loves me and I actually love her and we want this thing to work we both want it to work and they, they were times when you know you'd be you're so hurt you're pushing back and, and she's hurt and she's pushing back and and but the fact that you're there fighting I mean guys if you're not fighting and you got hurts that's worse <laughs> it is it means you stop caring and then we, we worked after going one, one afternoon you know and we both end up crying because And I think I said to you, I want this to work. You know, and she said, I want it to work too. And then if you realise you both want it to work, all of a sudden those, those hurts, you know, go. And it is basically about relationships. The biggest hindrance to relationships is the hurt we carry when we feel we've been offended and when we have been offended, we have been hurt. How we react to that, how we respond to that and how we deal with that. And it's such a deep scar. It's such a deep scar. Have you ever seen those kids, because I taught for many years, you've seen those kids, you're lining up a a class uh, before school and some little kid, he might flick this kid in the ear in front of him, and the kid in front of them, he goes off, he goes totally off, and he loses it, and it's just way out of proportion to what actually happened to him, you know. And then you start to find out about this kid's life, and you find about the abuse and the hurt and the neglect, and you realise it, it wasn't the flick. It wasn't the flick at all, it's that that flick rubbed a scar of hurt, of betrayal, and it all flared up. I know about this because I had a broken nose. Do you know my, my wife broke my nose three times? This been this is a true story, I've told you, she's got a temper. Three times, it's true isn't it darling? <laughs> it is true. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> it is true. All right. Um, so the first time, I, I, I actually it might have only been twice. Um, 50% exaggeration is not much. All right. I think the first time, well, because I broke when we were playing indoor cricket and then, and then a week later she's sitting, we were engaged, she's sitting on my lap and there's a youth group meeting and she laughs and when she laughs she goes hysterical. She goes, ah! Close. <laughs> 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 Alright, so my father always said when you finish playing rugby, you know, that's when you get your nose straightened. Alright, now you're looking at it now, you think, thinking, well it's not that straight Grant. I said, well there's a reason why it's not that straight. Alright, and so I went, in, I went and had my uh, an operation and you know, like they smash all the bones up here. You know what's coming, don't you? They smash all the bones, they smash it all and they rebuild it and they stuff it up with cotton it's this long no exaggeration all down there you know I didn't even know it was in there until you know like the day after the two days after the operation they start pulling out this cotton and, and your nose has been smashed and you, it's so sensitive it's 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 just coming as keeps coming out <laughs> you know so eventually I got I got Linda was working and I had to walk home from the hospital and um I know she left me to walk home And the magpies were swooping me, springing Canberra, you know, and your nose is so sensitive. And you know, our hurts are so sensitive. And uh, so that night, like, I'm climbing into bed. And like, Linda sleeps on that side, I sleep on this side. So you're going into bed. And like, you just touch it, it hurts. I'm getting into bed like this. And I bring my legs around like this. And I'm lying on my back. I don't lie on my back, but you've got to smash nose, you've got to lie on your back. Anyway, that was all good. I managed to get to sleep, a lot of codeine. You know, I got to sleep, and about two o'clock in the morning, I hear, sweetie, sweetie, it's always dangerous. <laughs> yeah, sweetie, it's like there's a spider or something. So you hear, sweetie, would you cuddle me? Okay, okay, I'll cuddle you, so, okay rolling over like this now I must have just taken too long to roll over you understand because she thought she I gotta I gotta you know speed this up a bit so she rolls over like this (laughs) my nose literally goes and blood's just pouring out everywhere and she goes what do I do, what do I do, what do I do she wanted to ring the doctor, what do I do, I said well, what is the doctor going to do, they just straighten it so we put it back, put it back, it's just going to do and put the plaster back on like this and for years it was just so sore when I, mean, I still touch it and feel it now I'm telling you I had a lot of forgiveness to do but for years after just the smallest rub and that's what happens, our hurts you know some interesting facts about forgiveness. We're almost up, and that's just the introduction. So interesting facts. Do you know that cats are one of the only advanced uh, the only advanced mammals that don't show reconciliation? You know, dogs will come up like this and they'll wag up and apes and all that and horses, they'll try and make up. Cats don't make up. Cats do not do not make up. Uh-huh. I don't know, it's interesting, isn't it? you know, people who carry unforgiveness and hurt, higher blood pressure, it affects your body, higher heart rate, it actually affects you physically, affects your health, affects your sickness. We weren't designed to walk around in unforgiveness. We weren't designed to. It. It's good for us to do it. People who have been hurt and haven't learned to do, deal with that hurt, and haven't been healed of that hurt. I don't mean the scars, I mean the scars crossover and all that, don't they? But when they're still raw when you touch them Mm -hmm. are more likely to have failed relationships less likely to be able to receive love more likely to have addiction problems if they've been hurt, whatever the addiction is Um, You know, it's interesting the greatest hurts, the hardest ones to forgive are betrayal comes down relationships we'll forgive someone for murdering us before we forgive them for betraying us and that betrayal the closer the relationship the greater the hurt the harder it is to heal it's interesting too um, children you know when children they're they're young they they just love on you freely, have you noticed that? I was, you seen Kindergarten Cop? Yeah, Yeah, I was the Kindergarten Cop, like in real life. Uh, uh, Coffs Harbour Baptist Church, six weeks, I was on Preppy, Preppy in year one as a relief teacher, my last relief teaching, and there was these two snotty-nosed kids, they were twins, two snotty, who were the naughtiest kids in prep in year one, and I'm telling you, you wouldn't think it, but prep in year one kids can be naughty, you know, and at this day, this was after a few hard weeks, and, and I just, I lost it a little bit. I was just, you know, not too bad, but I lost it with them. And the whole, you know. And at the end, I thought, I've gone too far here. Like, you know, you tell them off, they go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> and at the end of the day, one of them is literally a snotch running down, and he comes up to me, and at the end of the day, it's time to go home. And he goes, Mr. Peterson? And I said, what? Forgotten his name, it's too traumatized. He said, What Johnny? He said, I love you. And he went and hugged me with his snot all over my pants. It's interesting, up to the age of seven, eight, kids will forgive without people having to say sorry to them. They'll forgive without a, a, a sign of repentance or remorse. They'll actually come up. And forgive you. And you see that. They'll come up and just give you those hugs, you know. And then around about nine or ten, they go through this transition. A- and and from after about eleven and twelve, people are far less inclined to forgive unless the person has actually shown penance and come and said sorry to them. And it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder. And this is, I don't have any scriptures for this, it's just a conviction. But I wonder whether, because, you know, Paul talks about the age of innocence and, and when he gets to this age when, when then the law, sin becomes accountable and he becomes aware of the law. And I wonder whether well, that's the, about the 10, 11, 12 age where we become aware of the offence that's been done against us and how it's hurt us. And that scars and we carried it. And for people to forgive people, we then require something of them. I wonder. So forgiveness, what does forgiveness mean? It's got a few different meanings, but it actually means to remove the debt that's owing. In him we have redemption. We have been redeemed, the forgiveness of sins, because our debt was placed on him. It was removed off us onto him. So when you forgive someone, godly forgiveness, supernatural forgiveness, you're saying I'm removing the debt that you owe me. Um, Which is interesting. Because even the idea that someone might owe you owe you dead. Romans 8 Romans 8 Romans Um, I've got it written down. Romans 13.8 says, to owe no one anything but to love them. Now, uh, of course, New Testament times, when you owed someone, you actually became indebted into them. You went into their service until you paid it back. And so the Holy Spirit saying here, you don't owe anyone anything except just to love them. In the parable of the... So, and we'll turn there. So, turn to Luke chapter 15. We have here the parable of the prodigal son. And it's, it's great to look at this because, you know... At, at various stages we're called to be each each of these people we 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 are the son the prodigal son who's gone away um we are the at very often times the son who remained and then we're called to forgive like the father's forgiveness. so we're just going to read this we're going to highlight um some of the things about the way the father forgave as it contrasted to the way the other son dealt with in the same situation, or you know, in that situation, who's, you don't have to put your hand up, but who's identified with the older son? Often. And my dad would still say it today, he'd say to me, he struggles with this parable, because he literally identifies with the older son. I think we get to this stage, we're going to, read, we're going to finish in a few minutes with Romans 2 verse 1 where it talks about this, about literally identifying as the older son. So we know the story, of course, the prodigal son uh, took uh, his inheritance and of course in the Middle East, you probably heard this, but in the Middle East when you ask for Uh, your parents inheritance and the inheritance was a huge thing really you're saying i'm cutting this relationship you're as good as dead to me now it's really one of probably the biggest insult that a, a child could do to their father is to say yeah i'm done with you now i'm done with this relationship it's as good as dead i'm going away so he went away of course we know he went to a far off land and he squandered he squandered it on um Loose living, women, drinking, partying, and all this sort of stuff, till he had nothing left, and he began to, to eat from the, the swine. The, the, the food. He'd been to look after swine. Well, you can imagine t- saying this to a Jew that this guy was looking after swine who are unclean, and then, and then pleading for the food that the swine was eating was the destitution. I wonder how the brother felt, you know, about... Because all of a sudden the family's income, we only know there was two brothers, the family's income had been halved. And he was still working away there. He had the same amount of work. And, and, and you know, they could have accrued a lot more wealth in those years than they were doing. because they had half the property now to work on. So the Bible says the son came to, his, came to his senses and he turned and came home. And he said, he said. Uh, verse 17, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against I have sin- father I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son treat me as one of your hired servants. Now we we uh, this big thing about repentance, guys. Um what is repentance? Because the son here repents. Um And we have often tried to put this uh, work's value on repentance. So they're not repenting unless they cry. They're not repenting unless they plead. They're not repenting unless they do something. You hear this in the world, in the natural forgiveness. So when I'm talking about supernatural forgiveness, I'm talking about the way God forgives, that we're called to forgive. And we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven. As opposed to the way we think, if we're still carrying those scars, still carrying those hurts, and still trying to leverage something that says that person is going to deserve my forgiveness. And so we'll say, I'll forgive them. Have you heard this? I'll forgive them if. Is that forgiveness? I'll forgive them when. When. Is that forgiveness? And yet, I mean, I've been going through that with some things lately with people that have hurt me, really hurt me. Really hurt me, betrayed me. And I'm, praise God, this sermon series has come around. I've had to come to this place where I'm just going to forgive them. Even if they haven't. All right? The son came to his senses, but when he was coming to his senses, it was still about him. And his senses, really, when you look about it, he realized the road he was on was leading to death. And he turned. And even when he turned, there, it wasn't going to be, he was going to be, treat me, treat me as a hireling, treat me as that. He turned and he came to his father. All right. The father seeing him from a long distance grabbed the robe killed the fatted calf and the Bible said he ran to the son. I find it very interesting uh, what Jesus put in this parable and what he didn't put in. He put in that the son had turned all right And really, the turning action was really turning to face the Father. Um, Repentance really just means to turn. It means to change your belief about this. Repentance doesn't mean that you've done everything you can to make it up, but that's not to say you shouldn't, all right? It just actually means you've turned. Now, um, the father runs to him with the robe, with the fatted calf. And then the father sits him down and says to him, Son, I want to know everything you did with our money. I want to know every cent that you spent. I want detail. Because I want to know that you're sorry for it. Before I'm going to put this robe on you. The fat calf's there ready to go. But until I know everything you've done, because you've offended me, you've hurt me, you've hurt your older son, and he's going to want to know what you did with that. He wants to know every woman you slept with, everything you wasted our money on. Do you do that? The first thing the father did is to restore that relationship. He ran to him with the robe, with the fatted calf, Ran to him. Didn't ask the son for an explanation. Let's read it. Okay. He rose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. The father may not have even known while he was coming back. True? He said he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, so now the, f- the father said, what have you done? Tell me, please, the gory details. Because forgiveness is actually about restoring relationships. All right? And if that son had felt that that relationship was still going to be conditional on anything then he's still the servant. All right? And I'm telling you, if people, people will not know forgiveness till they know unconditional love. They will not know that they've been forgiven until it's unconditional. And if we expect people to drag up every gory detail, everything, about what they did, why? I'm trying to shame them. The father's reaction wasn't to shame them. The father's reaction was to promote them, to love them. I'm so glad that my heavenly father doesn't shame me. It makes me love him. I'm so glad my wife doesn't shame me. It makes me love her. Love is quick to cover other sins. It doesn't keep a record of hurt done against it. We need to read 1 Corinthians 13 over again. Am I walking off? Love does not keep a record of offense done against it. Love does not keep. An account of offense done against it love does not keep an account a reckoning of offense done against it love does not say I have this record of what you've done against me and I'm going to withhold affection I'm going to withhold attention I'm not going to treat you like I love you until you have reckoned that now um, sin needs to be dealt with openly, but it doesn't need to be dealt with openly with anyone that it's none of their business and this is a whole another area we can't go in there but at this stage but um if we're trying to drag every detail out of that person or trying to drag a confession out of them why why, why are we doing that ask yourselves why are you doing that do you want to shame them do you want to humiliate them the second thing about the other thing about this is that in the father's love it was about the son all right the father's love was about the relationship the father's love was about the restoration of that relationship and that's godly love that's supernatural love but the interesting it's interesting to see the son's the son's reaction here now he's older Verse 25, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the, near the house and heard music and dancing, he called one of the servants and asked them uh, what these things meant. He said to them, Your brother has come, and your father was, has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. The older brother refused to go in because he was angry. He's angry that his, that his brother had came back. He's angry that his, 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 his brother was receiving things that he thought he deserved. And we have to ask ourselves if we've got issues with forgiveness. What is it? Why? Do we think we deserve better than this? Do we really think we deserve better? Do we deserve better what do we deserve what do we deserve think about it what do i deserve if i understand here and think i want what i deserve before i'm going to join the party what do we deserve? We're well, all of sin, fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And so the father, the, the, the brother, natural love, natural forgiveness, wants to extract from the other person. Full confessions, some sort of payment. The parable of the. Um, Of the king forgiving the uh, the um, the worker that had huge debt huge debt huge debt to him he said he was unable to pay do you know the people that have fallen the most have hurt the most they're unable to pay they don't have the emotional resources they don't have the spiritual resources To pay back, to give to you. They're unable to pay, and that debt was forgiven. Don't be the Pharisees sitting in there saying, if you knew what that person had done, you wouldn't let them pour oil on your head and kiss your feet. Don't be the Pharisees. Be the one that realizes that I don't want what I deserve. I don't want what I deserve. And so the son went all these things I've served you. I've done this, I've done that, you haven't even killed a bull for me, you haven't done this for me, and he missed the whole party, and he missed the whole point. You know, grace and forgiveness aren't fair. It's not fair. But do we really want what's fair? Do we? Now just Pull back a bit because I know we'll, some of us will we, we'll be strug- I'm struggling. We all struggle. We struggle with this. I know we struggle with it. Because this is not trust. He, he wouldn't necessarily have given his son the bank account. All right? Okay? Because I, I, I know recently there's a couple of people that have hurt me who have been very close to me. And I have come kind of to had this place where I, I'm gonna, I've forgiven them. I'm going to treat them as though I love them. I love them. But that doesn't mean necessarily that i'll put them in that situation again do you understand all right it doesn't mean that so you know abused households abused marriage abusive situations like that sometimes it's love to walk away okay so it's not foolishness all right sometimes it's love to walk away but we have to release them of the hurt they've done us we have to release them of that hurt and if they don't repent are you going to carry that burden that hurt you still have to release them to find something about them that you can leverage to to give them that forgiveness and otherwise you're just going to screw up on the inside you won't be able to love them you won't be able to love them and if you can't love them where are they going to see the love of God let's turn to Romans 2 we're going to close this will be our last scripture still got a few minutes but this will be our last scripture Romans 2 they, uh, the 2006 I don't know if you remember Chloe were you born 2006? do you remember it? Okay, that's good. <laughs> in 2006, I don't know if you remember, in uh, Amish country in the States, uh, a guy walked into one of the Amish schools and, sh- and shot five kids dead and then turned the gun on himself and, and shot it, shot himself. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, one of the things that strike, struck me straight away was the speed in which the Amish came out, like that day, and had the press conference, And they said, this is a horrible thing that's happened to us, but I want you to know that we forgive him. And we forgive his family, we forgive them. And we went... It was amazing. They sent sent, like professionals (laughs) into that community. And what they found is that particular community of Amish made a practice, they practiced forgiveness. They practiced it. They taught their kids forgiveness. And when when someone hurt them, they said, now we're going to forgive them. And they went through this practice of forgiveness. So forgiveness can be learned. We can learn that love. Um, Romans, the first few chapters of Romans, Paul's going through uh, all the sins that uh, the people that don't know God is doing, and then he goes through all the sins that the Jews are doing he goes through and he basically wraps everyone up and says and we're all in this all in this together we're all sinners all right but there's a very interesting verse here Romans 2 verse 1 he says um verse." Just look up a little bit, verse verse 26. For these reasons, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. Their their women exchanged natural relations for those contrary to nature, and men likewise were giving up natural relations with women, consumed with passion for another. Men committing shameless acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty, their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. And so it goes on: murder, deceit, maliciousness, gossips. Ooh. Sorry, was that gossips? <laughs> it's interesting that it's in there, isn't it? Hey, hey! So all that, so all that sort of uh, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness—they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, so on, so on, so on. Bob. Right? Verse thirty-two: Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Therefore, you have... And then he goes, this, this is now talking to us, and listen to this. Therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who judges. Now, judging has a variety of... Uh, judging can be discernment. Judging can be condemning. It's talking about condemning. All right, therefore, you have no excuse, O oh man. Every one of you for, who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Okay, now this we just need to just stop here and just camp on this for a minute. It will be a couple more minutes. All right. So let's just pull back a bit. He said, "Look at the sin and shame and the degradation." that everyone else has got into. The hurt, that now listen, they're talking to us now. The times they've hurt us. And the foul things that they've done. Things that we would never do. And even thinking that is self-righteousness. Because you don't know what they went through. And you're really saying that Jesus didn't have to die as much for me as he did for them. And then he says, when you condemn them, when you judge them, you do the same things they do. Well, that's a little bit of a mystery because we're not out there murdering. We're not out there fornicating. We're not out there uh, gossiping, are we? (laughs) Thank you for some honesty robin (laughs) we all should be giggling no not out there gossiping not out there but he said you do the same things you do they do well what he's saying is that when you do and other translations say you practice or you participate in the same things they do and therefore bring yourself under judgment so it's not saying Uh, someone who goes out and commits adultery or someone who goes out that, when I judge them, I'm going out and committing adultery. It's not saying that. It's not saying when someone goes and murders someone that I'm going out and murdering them. What it's saying is that if you sit there and you say, I am better than that, then you participate in this whole legal thing that somehow you're better or, or you're more moral or, or I wouldn't do that in that situation. And, and the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says, you have fallen into that trap and you will be judged just like them. Because all of a sudden we've moved from this realm that I'm saved by the grace of God. All of a sudden we've moved from this realm that there was nothing I could do to earn salvation. All this sudden we've moved from this realm where it says he has redeemed me. I have been purchased with a price. I'm not a purchase with a price. I'm not my own. I've been purchased with a price. We've moved to this realm where we're now standing in judgment of someone else. So look at that person. Look how they've fallen. See, supernatural forgiveness is from a place where where we know what we've been forgiven of. And when we know how much we didn't deserve that, and we're able to give undeserved forgiveness and undeserved love, and it'll change their lives. It'll change their lives. You want to start changing someone's life, start loving on them undeserved. And there'll be some failures and there'll be some hurts and it might take them years, but... Start loving on them when they're undeserved. Because we were loved on when we were undeserved. I was loved on when I was undeserved. When I deserved it the least, I was loved on. And that makes me want to love God. Makes me want to love my wife. Makes me want to love my kids who still love me. Even though I've been mean to them. I just want to love you, Chloe. You know, you're mean to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the application. That is supernatural forgiveness. We can't forgive from our hurt. Guys, if this is rubbing us the wrong way, there's a reason it's rubbing us the wrong way. There's a reason why. Probably because we've been hurt terribly. Probably because we could wish we could go back and not have that hurt. I wish I could go back and my father not bash me, in. but I can't. I've got to love him. i got to love him. I says we are able to love we know that first. Thank you for listening. We trust that you've been encouraged by the message. Please consider leaving a review and subscribing to receive new content. For more information about Redeemer Coast, visit www.redeemercoast.com or find us on social media where our handles are at Redeemer Coast. Until next time.